Welcome to This Week in Sparkling Water. My name is Iwakim Eriksson, and I'm the host of This Week in Sparkling Water. And I'm really struggling to do this episode, but I think it's really important that I do it. Because a lot of things are bothering me, and I think it'd be good if I just talked myself through why I feel like this. So I'm in Sweden, right? And... I was tr- trying to do this episode yesterday. I can't do the episode at my mom's. I'm staying at my mom's house. The house where I grew up. And I can't do the episode there because I'm too embarrassed. So yesterday I left the house. And I end up in like a parking lot. I go to, I go around the little town where I grew up. And I go to a little school where I went like first through ninth grade. And so I go to that school and I just kind of wander around and... I'm so fearful right now because I'm so embarrassed. It's so embarrassing to do a podcast, but there's something about it that's like, in America, I just don't, I, it's not that I don't care, I just manage to care less. And then here I'm so terrified of being embarrassed. And so I couldn't even do it yesterday. I was in a parking lot and I was in the car and I was trying to do it. And I just sat there all like fearful and I couldn't do it. And then this funny thing happened because I just sat there for like 30 minutes, quiet in a car, waiting for myself to be available, waiting for myself to have the big gut, as it's called in Chinese. Calling someone a small gut is calling them a coward. And calling someone a big gut is calling them a, you know, a really brave person so i was waiting for myself to have a bigger gut and i um after 30 minutes i just gave up and i was like i can't i can't do this and then i rolled out of the parking lot and then just as i was rolling out of that parking lot at the school i could see this like security guard car rolling out of another school parking lot and rolling in towards the one i was in basically meaning that um if I had started recording in that moment, I would have been, some security guard would have come up to my car and like knocked on the window and been like, this is private property. You got to leave. It's in the middle of the night, bro. Why are you at a middle school? You're 36 years old. Um, so that made me feel this new way about it where it's like fear is, I can't remember who, I heard someone talk about this a lot recently where they were talking about how all, all these bad feelings we have that we like to think of as bad feelings, like fear and anxiety and stuff, they are feelings that are there for a reason, though. And so I was, feel, I was thinking about how, well, so maybe it's good that I was fearful. Because it, it actually, my fear came true. Like, the fear wasn't crazy. The fear that it's, like, weird to be in a parking lot in a middle school in Sweden and at, like, 11 p.m., <laughs> and just sitting in a in an empty car. So maybe that is a person that should be afraid. And then it worked out because I left. I was saved by my fear, you know what I'm saying? And so I didn't do it. So I just went home and I went to bed and, and I felt real bad about myself though, even though I was trying to talk about talk to myself about how like these bad feelings I'm having, they're probably telling me something about something. You know what I'm saying? So now instead... I had another big day in Sweden of just like doing a bunch of shit. And then now I dropped my uncle off at this, at his hotel. And I was like, I got to find a spot outside to just record a podcast. And I was looking on the map and I saw this like castle on the map and I put it in. And 
right on the way to the castle, there's, um, I just saw this like big soccer field with like a couple of facilities next to it, some buildings and all these tables and chairs. And I was like, it's sunny. It's super nice out. There's a big parking lot where I can park my rental car and then I can just set up a little podcast station right next to it. So it's good. I'm out here. You can probably hear the highway in the background. You can probably hear some birds, but that's all right. And I'm talking into a sock because I was doing it and it's real windy and I didn't have like any, you know, fabricy protection on the mic. So I had to pull my sock off that I've worn all day and thread it onto the microphone. <laughs> so good. Such a pro. So now I'm sitting here barefoot and I'm really fearful because I can... But I set it up so I'm looking at the entrance of the parking lot. So if a car rolls in here, they're not going to come from behind. Because I'm just like really afraid of how embarrassing it is that I'm doing this. But I'm go I, I'm, I have to do it. And I'm alone here except this big soccer field behind me. It actually has all these uh, things that look like Roombas. Like robot vacuums but they're clearly not vacuums they're like lawnmowers or something tiny little lawnmowers that i don't know if they're cutting the grass or fertilizing it or doing something but there's just these tiny little robots going around on the grass and i'm hoping that there isn't like a you know property keeper property manager around who's gonna tend to his robots i'm hoping that these robots are emancipated and i'm hoping that i'm alone here in terms of alone is very like human-centric language i'm hoping that it's just me and the robots you know what i'm saying okay but let's talk through a couple of things that happened so i took some time off from work and on sunday i leave work real late and i immediately drive down to sacramento and i hang out with this ex-girlfriend and we just we're gonna hang out in sacramento for a few days because i really i'm old enough now and i've been on enough bad vacations that i know how to set up a vacation and one important thing about one important thing about vacation is that it's important not to do it so you get off work and drive straight to the airport and then fly somewhere and then you're there and then you fly back and then you go fucking from the airport back to uh you know work because that's too exhausting then you need a vacation after your vacation so i set it up so that i had three days off work before flying to sweden and then when i come back i have a full day off so i was going to hang out in sacramento for three days and just like relax with the next girlfriend and we just like had a little nice hotel room with a pool and we were just gonna like go in the pool and like do random shit and have good food and i i it was interesting to me because I've been trying... This is very personal. This is about to get very personal now. But this whole episode has to be very personal for this to be good. For this to work, I have to really, really... I have to really, really make sure that only my dolphin... Only... This is episode is strictly for my dolphins. You know what I mean? Like, this is strictly for the sparkling dolphins. Um, so... I've been, for the last year, I've been off the dating apps. I haven't been on any dates. I mean, I kind of was seeing Maddie for a bit in the last 12 months, but like that was, it was actually more. It was actually like something that happened in the last 18 months. But so for 18 months, I've been off the dating apps. And outside of a brief romance with Maddie, oh God, I feel bad about how I said that. 
um, it wasn't brief. <laughs> I don't know. I just want to say something about it that makes it so that Maddie's not mad at me. Okay. Um, let's just keep going here. I have been off the dating apps because I was feeling like I was addicted to the validation of meeting someone new and having them express that they are into me and then feeling almost drunk or high from the beautiful, exhilarating information that someone thinks I'm cool. And so I would then, yeah, I would just do that over and over because that fades. After two, three months, that would fade. And, and it was just feeling so weird. And so I was off the dating apps, and then now I'm, I've decided to be back on the dating apps. And coincidentally, at the same time as when I'm deciding to get on the dating apps again, I'm going to go see my ex-girlfriend, and we're just going to hang out in a hotel room and have some good food and like maybe go to Top Golf and maybe hit karaoke and maybe go to a museum or whatever. And then there's this thing of like, maybe I'm going to end up sleeping with her. And I didn't really like talk to her about it. I mean, I actually kind of tried to talk to her about it a little bit beforehand to just be like, I don't know, to just be honest about how maybe I don't want to sleep together or maybe I do. And she was like telling me how it's fine. Like whatever it is, we can just like hang out. And so a big part of the validation thing and trying to set myself up in a new way is about how I should probably not, I should probably only have sex in the context of a thing where I believe in the possible future of what's going on. Like it's probably like the addiction thing makes it so that I, I'm dishonest with myself there. And I think one of the part, the, the solution is like really complicated. It's so like becoming sober from alcohol is so much easier because it's like, you can just not do it and you'll be fine. But then there are these addictions where when you're addicted to food or sex or like, you know, the internet where you can't not do it. You just have to figure out a healthy relationship to it. And that's actually a million trillion times more complicated. Like I'm so, I, I wish for myself that my only addiction was just stuff that you cannot do. But being, having a love addiction where you're addicted to the validation of other people, I, it's so much more complicated and you have to figure out a way to do it in a healthy way. And that has many, many parts. And one of the parts is probably that casual sex is just bad. Because I don't actually do casual sex. I do it like, I make it seem really intense to the other person, but I'm really just revving them up to be like, to, to suck as much validation as possible out of the experience. Yeah, and I, I've had, I mean, honestly, I'll just tell you guys, I haven't like, I kind of haven't had sex for like a year. And it's like, that's never happened to me before. And it's like a reset. I needed to like reset. And it needed to become something. I needed to give it value again. Like when you 
have a very slutty period, it can become this thing where it's like it gets devalued and and I couldn't overnight fix that. So I had to just like pull back from the world. And I wasn't on any dating apps and I didn't go on any dates and I I just I just shut down that part of myself and tried to just think about what happened when I would like think about someone or be attracted to someone or and just think about like what is the journey there what happens there and then um I think that kind of happened I kind of did it was successful reset because then I now in this last week I had an experience where I go and I have a hotel room with my ex-girlfriend and we're hanging out and we kind of did hook up and it like didn't feel so great it felt kind of wrong because it wasn't sex in the context of something where i believe in the future of it it was just like a very physical thing and it was like very familiar and also it has this like darkness to it because i know that she like i broke up with her and she never really got over it maybe and she's like into me and she said that it's like it, the whole thing is very sensitive to her because I can really hurt her feelings if I do things wrong. Because I I mean like yeah, oh god, I feel bad saying that out loud, but it's like that's kind of how it is. And I hooked up with her once or twice and then I I had to be like I don't I don't actually want to I think we should just be friends and we have this hotel room for my, for a lot more time and Maybe this isn't what you were expecting, but I actually don't I actually don't feel like this is making me sad is kind of what I told her. Which isn't the exact most honest word cuz the honesty of saying this is making me feel very hollow and I don't believe in this is mean. It's very mean. So I felt like it was honest enough and nice to use the word sad even though Yeah. Cuz it's true that it also made me sad. It made me sad. But that also made me feel like I make there's progress because knowing that what I want here isn't just like a bunch of weird casual sex. That that means I am like programming myself successfully. Because we have to we are a little bit in control of what we want. Like there is something there. I listened to this one Dan Savage podcast about this where he was talking about how like it's not like we don't have any power over deciding what we want. Like we can. And I think so much of there's very gendered programming where it's where society kind of teaches us as men, especially as men, as straight men. You're as a straight man you're taught that more sex is always better. and more sex with many different partners means that you that's something to be proud of as a straight man and i think that's something that weak weak-willed individuals spiritually weak people believe in and i think a lot of people just straight believe in it and i think that I, there are some really respectful people respectable people in my life that i've known that chose not to believe in that that just chose a much more simple and healthy and harmonious belief system. And I think that it's possible to un- unlearn that and to teach yourself like a different belief system. So that's a big part of this maybe. 
to just teach myself that it's like okay to not be like the coolest guy and when the definition of being the coolest guy is to like fuck a lot of women like it's okay to not organize my entire life like that because it's not actually gonna make me very happy now it sounds like I boned, now it sounds like I boned a lot of women and that's actually the thing I didn't you know, I just was, I'm, I was this guy who for my entire life, probably on some animal level, this is so fucking embarrassing and personal, but on some animal deep down level, I think I always believed that the more women you sleep with, the better, the, the cooler you are. And then I failed to sleep with a lot of women. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> oh God. Okay. 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 So, you know, it's a combination of you know, it's a hyphenated situation, you know, it's a, it's a loser hyphen incel, you know, it's a loser. It's something, it's something bad. It's not, it's the worst of both worlds, you know, it's the worst of a lot of different worlds. But so I was a part of me, I was happy to realize that I wasn't, that just sleeping with my ex wasn't something that actually made me happy. And that's kind of, God, it's such a stupid thing to say, but like, because it's so obvious to most people and you don't need to go on like a podcasting 150 episode sparkling water journey to like realize that, but I'm so stupid. <laughs> I'm so stupid. And everything is such a struggle for this fucking stupid Swede. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm on the dating apps and I... I decided to be on Bumble because it seems like the slowest one and it seems like the one where men are kind of bullied and tortured and it's like only women, women you can match with people but once you've matched the woman has to send the first message that's the gimmick of Bumble and then since I got on there I realized that that's only true insofar as the free version because you can pay $4 to send a message to a woman, you know? <laughs> and that is so funny because that's so expensive. It's like, yeah, four bucks per message, you know? It's like texting in the 90s when they first invented texting and each text cost money. There was such gravity to everything. And I'm surprised that we weren't more poetic back then because we weren't. But... So I accidentally like purchased some credits and accidentally sent some messages to some girls that hadn't messaged me first. And then I realized that I was paying four bucks each for those messages. Now, luckily, there was a good conversion rate rate there that like sending someone a message meant that they were very likely to message me back. But so then I, I was texting, especially with this one girl. I'm texting with her and she like 12 messages in. She says that I'm very cool. Those are the words she used. You're very cool. Because I asked her out. We, were, we sent a couple of long messages back and forth. Only like five or six or seven messages. And then there was a little bit of a lull. And then there was one more question. And then like two days later or something after a few messages. At like message 12. I was like, hey, can I, can I take you out to dinner? And she was like, said, yeah, of course. And then I said, that's very cool. And then she said, you're very cool. And then that's immediately something where I feel a full body. It's so thrilling to me. And it's so fucking interesting how thrilling that is. And I find it so interesting how 
I don't even need to meet the person in real life. I just, a couple of grainy pictures, like, what, what's that sound? Is that my phone? Oh, someone's texting me. Oh God, I got one of those texts that's a scam where it's like, the USPS package has arrived at the warehouse and cannot be delivered due to an incomplete address information. Please confirm the address in the link. And then it's like a fake USPS URL. The URL is uqnups.com. Like that's not the US Postal Service. Oh God. And it's, and when you read it, you first you believe it immediately because you have everyone has a lot of pack i'm waiting for so many packages right now i hate waiting for package i hate i hate the waiting period after placing an amazon order and then picking it up but one loophole there is that if you place a bunch of big orders right before you go on a trip then when you come back when you when you're on the trip you're not thinking about the pa packages but then when you come back it's like this time skip of like Five minutes ago when I was in America and I placed this order, I hadn't gotten them yet. Now I've gotten them. Anyway, wh what was I saying? Yeah, I was saying how this girl told me you're very cool. And then I immediately like, I don't need to know very much about the girl. And I already feel this feeling that's so strong of like it's numbing. It numbs all my pain this feeling that someone might be into me, it numbs all my pain and it's very much like Vicodin or a Sani bar. It's very drug-like and it's very numbing. It's not actually, it's a mix. It's both numbing and thrilling and makes me happy. And I was in pain about some things. Like I have this very good friend who I'm kind of fighting with. And then I found out that he had been back to town for the first time in a long time. And, and he like didn't hit me up and I didn't see him. And he like really, even though I told him that I really wanted to see him and all this stuff. And he, pr he just fully like rejected. He just, I did really hurt my feelings, man. It really hurt my feelings. And that happened like the same day that happened a day on a Tuesday or something. And then that same Tuesday, this girl told me that she thought I was cool. And I was in so much pain before she said that. And then when she said that everything changed and I, then pain was numbed of being rejected by my, like this old, this friend I've had for like 20 years that I care about so much. There's music behind me. I think that there's a house party on the other side of those trees. I don't know. If I if this episode at any point suddenly ends, that's just because someone walked in on me and, and that's it, you know? You'll just know that that's how it ended. I'm not going to record like an outro later. But so, yeah, I immediately when that happened, I... Um, when she said that, I think you're cool, I immediately took a screenshot of it and sent it to my buddy Sam because I want my buddy Sam to be an accountability buddy for me and my addiction issues. And, and it's so hard because an accountability buddy, basically like an AA sponsor for love addiction, it's so much more complicated than AA. There's no, there's no book that we believe in. And I really... It's so hard for a third party to understand what's going on between two people in a relationship. And it's so hard for, like, the reason it doesn't really work to have your buddy help you in, in 
the online dating life is because the only thing that really matters is how do you feel when you are in the room with them and do you feel like you like them and are their pheromones and their energy and their sense of humor and their the image of them in your mind is that something you want to spend the rest of your life with Wow, that was the fucking smallest pickup truck I've ever seen. They got some cars. <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, let's let's fast forward to something else. Um, so then I'm gonna I go to my uncle's house and we are um, we we I go to my uncle's house because we're gonna go to the S, to the San Francisco airport and fly to Sweden. So I go there and, and we're kind of hanging out and then um, we're driving to the airport and I'm driving and. We got to this, we got in a huge fight. Um, I'm really changing gears here. Uh, we got into a huge fight because he, my uncle and his ex-wife, the three of us are going to Sweden. They've lived in the Bay Area for 40 years. And they are like, you cannot go on the 880 and then to the 380. That's unacceptable. It's like a parking lot. It's standstill traffic. And I just put the airport into my google maps and just follow the google maps because we're in california and google maps is fucking amazing in california everything is accounted for time of day how traffic will be 30 minutes from now what traffic is like right now they have everyone's data so we get in this huge fight and because i just say i just scream at them like no i'm gonna do what the screen says because also they're crazy old people and they scream and they don't agree with each other so the idea that i'm gonna follow the directions of two people screaming contradictory things versus just following the blue line on the screen is fucking ridiculous and i just find it so interesting because it's like i do believe that doubting the AI in Google Maps. There was a time when that was very logical. The AI used to not be very good. And I actually think in Sweden, it's still not very good. I was driving around yesterday and it just like took me down the street. That was a one way going the other way. And the Google Maps doesn't know what the what street is a one way. Like what do you, they, it, we're 10 years behind over here, you know, on this side of the pond, as they say. But in California, the minute, like the minute attention to detail in the map. And then what it really rubs up against is my uncle kept screaming, I've lived here 40 years. You think I don't know what the 880 is like? And then we took the 880. It was perfectly fine. We got there much quicker than, because here's the hilarious thing. The path that he wanted me to take is that he used to live in Hayward, which is like south of Oakland. He wants me to take a path that takes me off of the highway and goes just through the town of Hayward, driving past the tiny little uh, townhouse that he used to live in next to a BART station, the local you know, public transportation system. And he believes that even though we're now five cities to the east and we're going five cities to the west of Hayward, Hayward where he used to live, he thinks that the, the best path, the fastest way is going past his old house when you're going to the airport from San Ramon. It, it, there's so much there in terms of the human brain believes stuff and the human brain, we, we believe what we know. And he has seen that neighborhood so much that he knows which streets in Hayward are good streets because he lived there for like 10 years. So he thinks that going to that neighborhood and taking the good streets in that neighborhood is better than the highway. And then we take the highway and they're both like, they both 
immediately admit that they have they're like oh this is great actually and they both immediately admit that they haven't been on the 880 or the 380 for 20 years <laughs> so it's like it's so funny to me so the the other interesting thing is like it's so hard for the human brain to accept that my uncle keeps screaming I've lived here for 40 years. I have 40 years of driving experience in the Bay. And it's so hard for the human brain to accept that, well, Google Maps has everyone's entire lifespan of data to base their decisions on. So Google Maps has not 40 years, but like 40 trillion years of data. Anyway, I just found that to be so interesting how... how um, they could not accept it. And then we make it to the airport and we get to the gate and we kind of sit down and my my aunt sits down and me and the uncle, we're going to go get a sandwich at the store. And then we go, uh, I get her a bottle of water and then we go and we end up getting a pizza and a sandwich and we're kind of eating. And when we come back 25 minutes later, she's at the gate and we, we come back and She's on all fours on the floor and everything from her carry-on luggage is all over the place. She's taken out all, she has everything in Ziploc bags and she has like 50 Ziploc bags and they're all spread out all over the floor and the chair everywhere. And she's looking through each Ziploc bag and looking through her bag and looking through all of her pockets and looking through a next Ziploc bag and the next bag and the next bag. And these are like little toiletries bags. And I'm like, what's going on? What are you looking for? And she's like, I can't find my passport or my boarding pass. And I'm like trying to gather information. You know, she's frantic that we're going to board in like five minutes. And she's looking through the next Ziploc bag and the next Ziploc bag. And it's like she's looking inside of like makeup containers. She's looking under the chair she was sitting in, like on the bottom of it. She's looking in all the crack. And I'm like, did, she, did you go anywhere? Did you walk away? Should we look somewhere else? Were you just here? And then there are these five Asian girls standing in a half-moon shape circle around her, okay? Just, she's encircled by these five Asian girls that she does not know. And she started talking to them. So they are like chiming in and they're being like, look, we saw her hold her passport and her boarding pass in her hand and she hasn't gone anywhere. It's super weird. Like we saw her holding it and she hasn't gone anywhere. So we know that it's somewhere here. And I'm like, did you check all your pockets? Like check... You have a coat on, you have a sweater, like there's a lot of pockets. The sweater has a couple of pockets, you know, the pants, like are there other layers beneath with other pockets? Like, are there forgotten pockets in the bag here? Because I'm pretty sure it's like, your passport's not going to be in a tiny Ziploc bag with little toiletries in it. Like it's a clear plastic bag and it's a very small bag and She's freaking out. She's having a meltdown on all fours, just looking through the next Ziploc bag and the next Ziploc bag. And I'm also like, actually, I, I, I snapped into this other mode because I've traveled with them before. And we last time when we went to Mexico, we just came upon some big problems. And after a while, we just decided that we can't actually go to Mexico. We're going to have to postpone this trip. And we just postponed it 24 hours. So I immediately was like, look, whatever happens, I'm just going to be in this moment. I'm just going to, I'm in a place in my life where even if I have to buy a completely new ticket, I like have $2,000 to buy a new ticket. It's going to suck. But like, we're just going to go. It's just money. We're going to just figure this out. Um, no one is hurt, you know. 
we're gonna just find or not find the passport. Whatever happens is okay. And I'm trying not to panic. And I'm doing a pretty good job with myself not panicking. She's panicking. And then <laughs> the five girls that are looking at her, it's like one of them says to the other one, every they're all holding their passports in their hands. And then one of them points to the other one and goes, why do you have two passports? <laughs> And she was holding two passports in her hand. And she's like, what? And she opens it up and it's my aunt's passport. So what had happened is that my aunt put the passport on the seat next to her and then she spilled water on everything. And the Asian girl just like reacted and was like, oh my God, there's water everywhere. And she just picked up the passport while the water is being dried up. And she thought it was her friend's passport, but her friend had her own passport. And then... It, what ensued was this like frantic. My aunt was completely vindicated because we were all like, my uncle kept being like, she always does this, man. This one time she lost her keys and we drove to seven different restaurants to find her keys, but they were like in a pocket that she had forgotten about. <laughs> my uncle is such a piece of shit. He's like, she always does this. <laughs> and then it was the fucking Asian girl, dude. It's so funny. Yeah. So she was vindicated. It was just, um, a, a f it actually, you know what it was like? It was like David Blaine. The feeling was like a David Blaine YouTube video where like you're looking for something and you're frantic. And then it's like in a place that's right in front of you. You're like, where's your passport? And then look in your jack in the box, you know, look in your, in your soda cup you know, and you fucking take the lid off the soda that you were just drinking and now there's no soda in there, but your passport is in there and it's dry. You know, like David Blaine shit like that, where it's like, it was in front of you the whole time. And it was, it was right there in the Asian girl's hand in front of you the whole time. And you looked frantically for 25 minutes. You know, it was like a David Blaine thing where it's like, look, look in the Asian girl's hand. And then everyone's just like, what? How did you do that, man? Okay, anyway, I think I should drink a water now. So this first one here, today we're doing two unflavored sparkling waters. This is called Vichui from a brewery. It's actually a beer brewery called Spendrups. Iconic Swedish brewery. Super bubbly, bubbling all over my hands right away. Happy that it's not flavored, so there's nothing sticky in here. Oh, that's so fucking salty and good. That's incredible. Zero calories. 0.2 grams of salt per bottle. Oh, that's such a good amount of salt. That's a good teaspoon, you know? Mmm. That's wonderful. That's a 10 out of 10 straight out the gate. Anyway, then we made it to Sweden and um, I rented a car and I was feeling very sensitive about it. I was feeling really silly renting a car. I was feeling like maybe it's a waste of money because it's like 900 bucks and... And maybe I don't even need it because I'm just going to be at my mom's house and hang out with my mom the way I always do it. But it's turning out to be this thing where it's like, this trip is way better than normal trips. And I'm really sort of seeing Sweden f through the eyes of someone who could like Sweden. It's really making me feel like I should get, I should buy a tiny little fishing fishing village cottage by a lake somewhere and just spend six weeks in summer here. Because it's like really hot and there are just these big green open fields with all these beautiful crops just waving in the wind. And there are just these country roads cutting across all these fields. And there's just castles everywhere. 
Anyway, um, yeah, what I was saying about Sam being my accountability buddy is like, I think it doesn't work because the reason it doesn't work is because your friend, when you tell your friend about your relationship, you can only really verbalize the bad stuff. Only the bad things are a story where you're like, yeah, he doesn't pick up after himself. He has this flaw. The sex is wrong like this, you know? He did this shitty thing, and, like, he said this thing to my mom, and now my mom is annoyed with him. Like, all of those things are stories that can be, like, told, but the good thing of, like, when I sit next to him on the couch, my weird abstract pheromone chemicals and his weird abstract chemicals mix, and they both, like, smell good to us, and we both just want to be there, and we want to spend the rest of our lives in the cloud of our mixing energies, you know? Like, that's not a story. And if you ever, the one thing that could be a story, because it's, you can describe it in words, is like how I do believe that a successful long-term relationship, you need to be mutually a little bit impressed with each other. Like there needs to be, there's something about like a respect that comes from just being a little bit impressed where you're just a little bit like, wow, that's so cool. Like where you truly believe that you respect the other person and you're impressed with them. Like in the old world where you were just given someone as your partner, that wasn't a thing. But now I think we really need this thing where we're like, it can come from their job where you like, you, you do think that their job is cool or something about them where you like, they do something that you're impressed with. And I think this is, I think it's true for both genders and it's, it can be very abstract. I think it's like why dudes who play guitar eventually get to bone a lot of girls and stuff. Cause it's like, there's this thing where it's like, at least there's this abstract feeling of like, I'm impressed with what they do with their hands. Like just making something out of wood with your hands or working for a charity or just like starting a charity, you know, being the founder of a music festival. You just do something where the the potential partner looks at it and they're like, wow, I feel impressed by that. And that feeling is a foundation, like that feeling is something you have to hold on to, to have a long-term relationship be, have long-term viability. You just have to be impressed with their energy and their unique thing or just something. And like, if you ever try to explain that to your friend, that's the one part of what's, of the plus, the, the pros and the cons in a relationship. All the cons are stories, but the only pro that you can explain as a story is how you're impressed with your partner. And it's really fucking annoying to listen to someone talk about why they're impressed with some girl they just met. Like, I met this girl and, you know, she works, you know, she's an, she's an accountant for Nike. You know, Wow. She she was in this play, you know? I saw her on stage. And, and it's like, dude, you don't want to... If you're the friend, you don't want to hear that. But what you want to hear is a list of all the problems, you know? And that's such an unfortunate thing that we've set it up like that. Or like that that's what friendships are like. That friendships only... Like if it's a close enough friend and you love the person enough, you can... When they have met someone and they're falling in love and they're ranting about how much they love the person... You can, it's horrible to listen to, but if you're a good enough person and it's a close enough friend, you can just sit there with the beautiful feeling of knowing that they are on a path becoming happier and you can be happy for them. 
It's like, fine, that's true. But that doesn't make it an interesting story. Like, don't try to tell me that it's interesting to hear someone fucking brag about their partner. You know, it's fundamentally flawed. And because to be able to make a decision of like, is this a person that I should pursue or not? You have to look at the pros and the cons. And because any third party can only look at the cons, because only they can be transmitted, really the decision has to just be in yourself to know, should I be pursuing this person? So there is this person that I was talking to and she said I was very cool. And then I immediately felt, oh, this is funny. Cause now I'm thinking about the possibility that what if I meet her and she finds out that I have a podcast and she listens to this episode and honestly couldn't care less. It's like, I'm afraid of so many things, but that's not a th like, I'm afraid I'm terrified of a car rolling into this parking lot that I'm in right now. Or like, it's actually just a really beautiful spot where it's like, there's these big waving fields in every direction and the sun is coming down. There's the sunset and the sun is sunlight is really yellow and beautiful. And there are these like very iconic red painted red wooden uh, little huts. And it's just like, it's a beautiful, and there's a forest, there's forestry, or there's just like trees all over. And a couple of, couple of robots tending to the grass. You know, I might fucking, I might go over there and take one of those robots and put it in the trunk of my car and drive off when this episode is done. Because I want to know what's going on with that thing. And then I might set it free. I might br bring it to the edge of the woods and just put it down and be like, you go little robot. You go little little soccer slave. Don't be a slave. Slave no more. Robot unchained. I robot meets Django unchained. Um, yeah. Okay. I immediately lost interest in my own story there. But so I rented this car in Sweden and I'm driving around and it's turning out to be a really wonderful thing where I'm just like, I'm a terrible driver. It's a very different vehicle. I'm used to these big American trucks. I, actually, let's talk about the smallness of Swedish stuff. Swedes are so tall and they're all very pretty. Tristan, when I was going to Sweden, Tristan um, told me this thing where she was like, yeah, my brother went to Sweden and he told me everyone was really, really tall and really, really smart and it was very annoying. And then she asked me if that's the case. And I, the old me that wasn't her manager would have been like, hey, Tristan, you think I'm really handsome and and smart but i can't say that now <laughs> because because i'm trying to learn from a man anderson that's so funny okay uh the point is that everyone here is really tall and really good looking and really stupid but but everyone's really tall but they're they have a weird like there's stuff here that's like so ridiculously small like my uncle is staying at this hotel which is really kind of like holbrook it's a super old building that they've redone, remodeled many times, including very recently. So it's all fresh, but they, ha but the rooms are kind of basic. And then we go into their room and they have a double full, but I mean, okay. So it's not called a full it's that bed sizes in Sweden are 90 or 110, and that's centimeters. And that's width. So 90 centimeters wide, that's, two and a half foot or something. So, so you have these giant people sleeping on these beds that are 
two and a half foot wide, which is so funny to me because in America, even poor people, and I mean people who are like, when I say even poor people have queen-sized beds, it's like that makes it sound like poor people in America have it so much better than rich people in Sweden. But the truth is that like even people suffering in America, they still have beds that are basically squares. Like they're so wide that they're more square than rectangular. You know what I'm saying? And then in Sweden, you have these giant people staying in expensive, nice hotel rooms. And the, the beds in the hotel rooms are 90 beds. They're 90 centimeters wide. And like, I went into my uncle's um, hotel room and I just look at the beds and it's like, I'm, I'm seeing hotel stuff with such fresh eyes and just looking at these beds after having like made a bunch of beds, you know, been tasked with managing a bunch of housekeepers that have to make beds on time and trying to come up with ways for linen and everything around bedding to be done in a more, you know, efficient way so that we can save money on labor on people cleaning the rooms and us always struggling to get all the rooms ready for the time when people want to check in. And there's so much about the beds, you know, like I'm so, we're so bed focused and the bed is, there's so many problems and you, you hold the bed up in the light and then you really think about the bed. And then when you come to Sweden and you see this bed, that's like, it's so narrow. <laughs> It's so fucking narrow and it's short. And I, I just, it reminded me of how, yeah, whenever I lived in Sweden, my feet would always stick out like a foot and a half. I, I, I was just completely used to, I would get in, into beds in China and people would be like, wow, you must think it's so funny that your beds are sticking out at the end of the bed. And I, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never been in a bed where my feet don't stick out at the bottom. Like, that's just a bed. It's called a bed and they're all like that and they're all tiny, right? And yeah, I mean, these beds in Sweden are tiny. And then when it came to the rental car, it's like my uncle just bought a Mazda. So he was telling me how, how there's a Mazda 3, which is like the really tiny one. And then there's a Mazda 4, which is like bigger and has a bigger engine. And then there's a Mazda 5, which he bought. And then there, and it's the Mazda 5 is an SUV. And then there's a Mazda 9, which is like a really serious fucking large roomy SUV. So it goes from 3 to 9. And then, um, <laughs> and then I'm at the rental car company and the Danish guy, hands me the keys and he's like okay so here are the keys to your Mazda 2 and then my uncle is like what the fuck is a Mazda 2 3 is the smallest one and so the Mazda 2 is something that's way too small to be on the American market does not exist and so I'm driving this very very tiny vehicle and we pack in all the luggage and my aunt is sitting in the back and she hurt her leg so I had to shove the seat forward and I'm not exaggerating this is how it was I'm sitting in the driver's seat. I'm driving the car. And I wanted to look at myself in the mirror from the flap in front of you in the ceiling in the car, you know, the flap that you flip down and there's a mirror and you look at yourself in the mirror. I tried to flip it down and it hit my forehead and I couldn't flip it down. And I just had to give up. And the whole thing was like that. I, I was trying to park and my uncle was like, why can't you just back into that spot? And I'm so cramped in the driver's seat that I can't, I can't turn my head. And I'm like, bro. Are you, seeing, are you seeing the way I'm sitting in the seat? Are you noticing how I cannot turn my head? And I cannot, I cannot back into this tiny 
parking spot because there's no backup camera and I can't turn my head. Can we just look for another parking spot that I can that I can go nose first into? So that's how small the car is. And then also, like, I only, I've only had a driver's license for two and a half years, right? And I, I'm not a very good driver, and I can only dri- drive an automatic. Uh, a, a stick shift, a manual transmission wouldn't work. So when I booked the car, I made super extra sure to tick that I need to get an automatic. And then I actually didn't uh, confirm the first time I did the booking. I actually did it another time. And that's when I, because I first I just made a little draft booking because it was 900 bucks. So I wanted to think about it for a bit. So I made like a draft and then I didn't hit submit. And then when I actually booked it, I, yeah, anyway, when I'm picking up the keys, the Danish guy is like, oh, yes, we don't actually have this manual transition transmission vehicle that you booked. You are going to have to, we're going to have to give you an automatic transmission. And I tell him, oh, I made a mistake. I don't actually know how to drive a manual. I don't know how to drive a stick. And he looked at me, dude, we had so many funny things going on because he was like, okay, so everything's all right then. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, everything is, everything's working out here, Mr. Danish man. And we just had so many funny jokes, me and the Danish, Danish rental car company guy. The Danes, man, the Danes look like the Swedes, but they're really like cool and tattooed up and trashy and... I, I, I've heard so many podcasts where uh, stand-up comedians end up going to Sweden or somewhere in Scandinavia and they just walk around and they they go to a little convenience store or something and the person helping them is like so incredibly beautiful that they think it's hilarious that she works there because it's like if you were in America, you would just be an Instagram lady and you would just be on Instagram and you wouldn't have to work and you'd get free money and you'd live on a yacht and you're so beautiful that... It's like ridiculous for you to work in a fucking bodega on the corner here and look depressed in a frumpy, like gray frock. And the girl sitting next to the guy at the that I was having a hilarious time with at the rental car company was like that. Where she just looked like the most like she had a little bit too much lip filler. Like, wow, lip filler really took off in Scandinavia since I was here two years ago. Lip filler is, like, we got some really ducked out women here. Like, ducking. And this lady was like, that kind of like Instagram thought kind of look. And then she was lip fillered out. And, yeah, I don't know. There wasn't a point to that story. I'm sure she's like a great person and everything, but she seemed to have a really depressing job at a rental car company anyway let's review another water um so this one is called soda siuda from the same brewery spindrups it's also sparkling water but i guess it has less salt i'm gonna guess it's less salt okay so they have the same amount of salt so i don't know why there's two different ones oh okay visually these bubbles look a lot smaller I'm actually quite amused by how we have all these different products, and I don't know that anyone knows what the difference is here. It's two unflavored sparkling waters in the end from the same brewery, and they have different labels, and one is called Vihui, and one is called Siuda. And they both say written on there, this is nothing except uh, sparkling water of high quality. And then it lists three different salts, sodium. And it's like, so how are they different then? doesn't say. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. 
it's just salty and bubbly and fresh. And these waters just have the roundest mouthfeel. It's just like cotton candy, but it just has this like, it doesn't even go everywhere in the mouth because it's like the surface tension of the water is so strong that it just sits on the middle of your tongue, just proudly holding itself together with this roundness. Oh, that's, that's another 10 out of 10. Also, it's the same. You know, the only thing, the only flaw here is why are they different? Why are we pretending like they're different? The labels are the same label, but one has all the colors inverted. White background, black text, and then vice versa. So I'm, there's a lot of stuff that I will talk about in, on a theoretical plane that I will mention how in Sweden it's a, way, it's a certain way. And then this trip, I've really sort of seen the practical, just a thing of it. Like, for example, I was hanging out with my uncle and my aunt, and they were both talking about how she was saying she'd only ever been unemployed one month out of her whole life. And he was saying how there was a nine-month period once where he was unemployed in his 20s. And they were both saying how those were like some of the worst periods of their entire lives. And then they were both saying how they loved being retired. Like the moment they retired, that was just like a beautiful moment. And that's when they realized how much they hated their jobs. Like they thought they're like, they, my uncle was saying how he thought he liked his job up until the moment when he retired. And then he realized that he was like, every morning now that I'm retired, I just wake up and I just fucking love it. I just love that I don't have to do anything. And I am fascinated by that because it is a social construct. Because you're saying you hate being unemployed, but you love being retired. And it's very, very in, in, you know, survey science or happiness science and everything. It's a well-documented difference that like people are really unhappy when they can't find a job and they, they just don't work because it's very shameful. And then the moment you're retired, it's, it's like the construct of it is different and you're just allowed to do it. And then I didn't even say it. My aunt, I was sort of talking about that. And then my aunt brought up this other thing that is the other thing, which is like, it's that. And it's also that now you're in a situation where it's everyone else. Like you can't be a, a just an oh, individual unteaching yourself a big construct. It takes a group to group. The whole group has to unlearn the construct for things to work which I think is a very important lesson that like we have to remember when we talk about all these different things about gender and stuff. It's like not enough to just be on your own gender journey, which is probably the real... Okay, I'm going to bring up Jacob Bradley now. I was having a conversation with Jacob Bradley and I'm, I was talking about how I find it really fucking annoying the they-them pronouns and stuff because it puts so much of your own personal journey on the people around you. And it's like, that. I just feel like that misses the point. Like, I agree that gender is extremely constrictive and that it's a bad thing and that we should all just, like, exist outside of gender and that we should be allowed to be whoever we are and that men being asked to be men are victims of something just as much as how women are victims of the patriarchy. Like, men are victims of so much there because it's so horrible to be asked to be a man it's fucking awful 
Like, I fucking hate performing gender the way I do now. I'm very uncomfortable in my own skin. I really experience, like, gender dysphoria or something is, like, something I really live with, I think. Because I really want to be something that's not constricted to one sort of bucket like that. I want to just be able to do and feel and look like and feel like whatever. I want to feel, I want to be allowed to feel like something bigger than a man. And God, I kind of lost my trail of thought. Okay, so then I was talking to Jacob Bradley about this and how I thought the fucking people asking. I was saying how he's super woke and he uses the they, them for everyone. Like whatever story he's telling, when he, whenever he's about to use a pronoun for anyone, he just says they, them which is a choice. It's a choice you make. And he was telling me this absolutely riveting story about how he used to be just deep in gamer culture where, you know, people are saying horrible things all the time. And I mean, look, man, I was on 4chan in 2001 and two and three and four when the fucking 4chan started. You think I don't know about people just using the N-word all day and people just calling everyone a fag and everything, fag is like a suffix that can be attached to every word. Like, everything is a something fag. Like, I know about this horrible, toxic shit. And then he was saying how he had lived in that and been okay with it. But then he, this woman came into his life and fucking made him a better person. And he, he lost a lot of friends, but he just, like, felt lo- uh, much more, like, in tune with what the fucking reality is and who he wants to be. And much more like his, much more self-realized. It's what I'm seeing in his eyes. He'd never used the word self-realized. But what I'm seeing in his eyes is that he's saying that he's just much more of a self-realized person now. And then he's telling me all this stuff. And I just have this counter, not a counter argument, but my question there is always like, but haven't you met these fucking annoying people though that are just saying that call me a they them, but really you're not a they them. You're just a fat woman. Like, you're a she. And the thing that makes you different from other she's is that you're fat. Don't make me call you a they, them just because you're fat. And that's, like, so rude. (laughs) What I just said, it's so rude. But I think it's important to be honest here. And, you know, we have to be painfully honest. And that's how I feel. That rude thought is the thought that comes into my head. When I get, when I'm confronted with someone who is you know, born a woman or whatever the fucking terminology is. They wear dresses and they are attracted to men and they do everything and they present as women and then they want me to call them they, them. It's like, you just want to be, you just want to have something about you that's a little bit special. You're just on a bandwagon. That's what I say to Jacob Bradley. I used less rude terminology because I'm, you know, we can't be that fucking honest in real life. We can only be that fucking honest on the podcast every fucking vehicle that drives past i'm terrified that they're gonna pull in here okay so let's unpack that what am i afraid of i'm afraid that they're gonna pull in here and just immediately walk up to me before i have the time to put any of this uh podcasting equipment away and then they immediately just like start roasting me (laughs) what is what is the worst thing they could say or i'm afraid of someone just coming up behind me Maybe what I'm afraid of is them not roasting me. Them just looking at me and not saying anything. Maybe that's even more devastating. To just have my mind cycle through endless possibilities of the horrible things that they're thinking about me. Maybe that's even more negative than them actually saying it. 
Because whatever they say, maybe that's just, I think maybe it's worse if it's just, if it's a bunch of, okay, if it's a bunch of, wait, is it worse if it's boys or girls? What if it's a bunch of hot girls that show up and ignore me, but look at me like I'm a loser? I think that's probably what I'm most afraid of here. <laughs> so stupid <laughs> that's so stupid anyway okay let's go back to what i was saying so i told tell jacob bradley okay so i get it guy i get it buddy guy you're woke i'm woke we're woken we're trying to make a better world here but haven't you met some of these bandwagon stupid people though that are just saying you have to call them they just because they want to be unique or something and then he said this thing that blew my mind where he was like Because him and me are actually extremely similar. It's so funny because I'm like twice his age and he has his wisdom to him that like where he teaches me things. And it's a real shame that he shows up to work. He's a night audit and he shows up to work at 11 p.m. So it's like as much as he has a wisdom to him, he's also clearly insane because that's an insane person. <laughs> that's such an insane person thing to do. Jacob, you know I love you. I'm calling you insane. It's not derogatory. So, um, it's a shame that he shows up at 11 at the, when I've been there since 1 PM and I've had like a busy day of doing shit and he shows up at 11 and then I have to do like 45 minutes of paperwork. And then he <laughs> has just woken up and he like kind of wants to chill and have coffee and like hang out with me. And it's such a shame that at that point I'm so tired and I'm, it's such a shame that we're not, that there's a asynchronicity that there's just like a weird two ships passing in the night we're just on opposite everything you know i wish he would fucking stay up for two days and stay until 1 p.m when i'm about when i just show up and i just woke up and i'm rested and i'm having some coffee and i'm hanging out and hey jacob you should stay until 1 p.m when i show up you know and then we can have a conversation and then maybe i have a certain wisdom to me <laughs> And then maybe I can beat you at chess if, because he always beats me at chess and I'm always like, well, it's probably because, it's probably because he's better than me at chess. <laughs> Let's be honest. I'm always blaming the sleep thing. Oh God. I even asked Doug that. I was so sensitive about it that I was like, so this kid always beats me at chess when he shows up to work and I'm about to leave. And I feel like it's because I'm so dead tired at midnight and he just woke up. And I'm like, do you think that's why he beats me, Doug? And I really just wanted Doug to agree with me and be like, yeah, Joachim, you're great at chess. I'm sure he beats you just because you're so tired. And Doug was like, well, you have to be pretty tired for that to consistently mean that you lose every game. <laughs> and Doug, Doug did not give me an out. He calls me on my bullshit, which is why I love that man. It's one of the hundred reasons why I love Doug. Um... But so I'm telling Jacob Bradley, hey, we're both woke, but don't you just, haven't you met some bandwagon people? And then he's like, yes, I have. But, you know, let them, let them, let them just want to get, be, try to be cool. Because he, he then unpacks a little bit how he used to be really like that, where it's like, it's so horrible with people that just try to be cool and, and to really try to police who's just trying to be cool and judging people who are just trying to be cool. And because that goes hand in hand with the toxic gamer culture. It's the same bro-y thing where you're bro-y 
and it's toxic gamer culture and you judge everyone doing something. You judge everyone who's putting themselves out there. Everyone in the media, everyone on social media, everyone do, because you're the, you're the person not posting on social media. You're the person just posting on 4chan about how you hate all the pretty people on social media. And because they're just trying to be cool and they're so shallow. But it's like, that's a very painful headspace being angry with all these people who are trying to be cool. And it's actually much more Buddhist and harmonious and enlightened to go the Jacob Bradley path of just being like, just let them. Just let him try to be cool. Maybe they're like small people who just want to... And he didn't even say it in this like arrogant way of like judging them as if they're worse just because they're trying to be cool. But it's like, just for yourself, give up. Just let go. Just let go. Just unfurl, unball your fist, you know? Like your fist is so tight and you're so angry with everyone for trying to be cool. Just just open open your hand, you know? Just relax your fingers and uncoil your fingers and just have like an open hand and just like be calm in yourself for, for you, you know? Like it reminded me of this AA sponsor I used to have in Seattle who, who Greg, who would always like talk about how he did all this stuff for other people because he did it for himself. Because, you know, it's something I always talk about because I took that from him because it's like, we have realized that being good to people around us makes us feel good. And it's one of the few things we can do that has absolutely no negative side effects. It's just good for yourself and for others. And it's going to like a path of service towards, excuse me, little sparkling water burp. A path of service towards fellow man is like the only thing we can do as alcoholics and as addicts that will just not come back to, that will not boomerang around and smack us in the face. It's the only thing we can do for ourselves, which is harmless. Everything else has a harm, you know? Try going on a dating app, but there's a lot of harm, you know? Try doing any of these other things to numb your pain. Service for your fellow man is something that will numb your pain and it, it will not harm anything. So, you know, Jacob Bradley is just, there's this wisdom to this fucking 17 year old. There's this wisdom to this man. And, and I just, I just felt like that's so true. And I immediately just took it. I, it's like, so like you have a belief and then someone gives you something and you just accept something new and you just completely let go of your own thing. Just like finger snap in the, it took the duration of a finger snap. That was a really bad finger snap there. But it it took the duration of a finger snap for me to just put my bags down. You know, my bags of... It's bags full of bald fists. Bald. It it sounds... You know what I'm saying, though, even though it sounds like I'm saying B-A-L-D. I'm saying B-A-L-L-E-D. Bald. Um, Bald up fists. I just put, put it down and it's like, yeah... I really spent a lot of time resenting those women with a weight problem that asked me to call them they. Because I was like, you're, there's nothing they about you. You're just overweight. And 
all of that felt bad. It felt bad to feel like that about them. It wasn't good for me. Look, I'm looking at all these cars driving past. They're all so small. These cars are so small. There's so many things here that are so small. And the people are so big. Anyway, there's a real wisdom to this Jacob Bradley character. And I I uh, really hope to, um, I hope to be his friend. You know, I hope to be his friend. And, um, and then I'm here in Sweden. And what I was going to say is, I got sidetracked, is that my uncle and my aunt, they were saying first how they hated being unemployed, but they loved being retired. And then the other thing, which is also about the construct. Yeah, that's how I started talking about this, because all of these things are about the gender construct or a different construct. So another construct is the construct of feeling guilty about not working versus summer vacation time in Sweden. So it's not enough to be one person and to negotiate with your employer so that you get six weeks of vacation per year, which is, first of all, unheard of in America. Like no one gets six weeks of vacation. In Sweden, I think six weeks is like the mandatory minimum. Once you have a full-time job, your boss has to give you six weeks of paid vacation. And most people that are unionized, which is most people, they even get a, just a bump. They just get paid time off and then they get a little bit of extra money and it's called vacation money because you're going to go on vacation. You're going to spend more money. You're going to spend more money than when you're in the office all day. So we're going to pay you a little bit more when you're on PTO. And then, but the thing is, the, the thing that's different is that everyone, like summertime, I'm really living, I've talked about this on the podcast theoretically before, and now I'm really like inside of it where it's like for six, for like three months in Sweden in summer, the whole country is shut down. And then it's not that everyone has three months off, even though like my mom's a teacher and she probably has two and a half months off. People have six or eight weeks off, but there's this expectation for those three months that nothing is open and nothing works. And like I have a card I have to pick up at the bank. The bank is open two days a week and it's open from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Do you understand how... And then, and then I told that to my aunt here and she's an American and she's like, well, so people working can't even go to the bank. That's so inconvenient. But the thing is, no one is working. Everyone can. First of all, you're on vacation. Like you're not expected to produce anything or go to the bank to do anything, but you might have to go to the bank. So you have, so they're open two times and you're not working. So you can go then. And it's like, there's such a big difference in being a single individual person negotiating with your boss to get six weeks of vacation and then having six weeks of vacation and then trying not to feel guilty that you have time off while everyone else is working and judging you. That's so different from for three months during summer, we just shut everything down. And it's fascinating. You drive around here, everything is closed, but it's open a tiny bit and everything has an enormous sign out front like that you can see from the road driving past with enormous letters saying when it's open. And it's always something like, we're only open on Saturdays from noon to 3 p.m. Or things like, you know, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. And it's things like one or two or three days a week. So it's like, 
everything is so bare bone and it just gives everything this feeling of like if i was here a swede and i had a job in sweden and i was on vacation and i was in the middle of a two month vacation at every step of the way my you know protestant work ethic shame of not working like the capitalist anxiety of not being productive at every point of the way wherever i look there's an open sign or a closed sign or like there's something telling me no one is working it's okay put the bags down no one is telling you that you should be working only you are telling you that you're working you're doing this to yourself just unball that balled up fist put bag put back the bags no put down the bags full of balled up fists you know just relax just open your hand and relax and it's like you can't do it alone because it's so powerful that shame from the outside now things are not perfect in sweden and this morning i woke up at like 9 a.m. and no like 9:30 a.m. and i took a shower and i was leaving the house at like 10 a.m. and all of these numbers i think that's super reasonable of a time to get your day started so i'm i'm i have a packed up bag and i'm and i'm walking to the car at 10 a.m. and i'm leaving the house and i'm going to go have this big day, day and see my aunt and first going to go pick up my uncle and we're going to drive around and we're going to go to some stores and we're going to then pick up my other aunt and like all this shit right Yeah, there's a Swedish aunt that I'm there's a lot of different aunts. The point is that like I was going to have this big day and then at 10 a.m. my my stepdad love him to death. He is such a good guy. I don't have a very close relationship with him because my mom met him when I had moved from Sweden and I've never lived in Sweden when he him and my mom were together. So I've never like spent more than like I show up for a week and a half, you know, and I'm mostly focused on my mom cuz she misses me so much and and so he's in the background and i never get a ton of quality time with him so i don't know him like really well but i can tell that my mom is incredibly happy with him and i care about that so much and it's so beautiful that they found each other love him to death but he did this thing to me this morning where he was like i can't remember oh the phrasing of it was just something like yes it is vaken which is just like oh look who look who's up It, because he is the kind of dad character that wakes up at 6 a.m. and then like when you wake up at 9 a.m. the first thing he does is like telling you about all these things he's already done and how you've missed the entire day and shaming you into like sleep shame you know which is like the same type of shame as vacation shame being like oh okay so you're on vacation huh yeah and then shaming someone for being on vacation that's the sleep shame and vacation shame it's like they're really like cousins that grew up together you know like they're closely related it's all just like you try you you beat yourself up about it so much the sleep and the vacation and then you try to not beat yourself up but that's only half of the story because we exist in a in a in a social matrix and we need the other members of the society to not also be mean to us about it. We need others to not sleep shame you and to not vacation shame you. Because like what's the point? You know? What's the fucking point of just working all the time? 
and not getting enough sleep and not getting any vacation. What the fuck is the point of that? Like I was hanging out with my aunt today, my Swedish aunt, and she was telling me how their kid, he's like probably like two years younger than me or something. And he's a journalist, I think. And he's, so he's in his mid, he's in his early thirties. He got married. Oh my God. I, I don't actually know if he has a kid or not. I'm such a fucking bad cousin. I need to check in with these people more. I need to be messaging these people and like checking in with them and telling them that I miss them and stuff. But so, cause he's a good fucking guy and we grew up together and we spent so much time together as kids. And then I just become this like other person and I'm so not integrated that's the problem here. Like, that's why I feel so much more shame and anxiety and fear of podcasting when I'm in Sweden. It's because I'm like fully a different person here, which is not healthy for me. I need to become more integrated. I need to become more one person. Um, my Swedish aunt was telling me how he already now in his early thirties, he's building towards uh, economic setup of you know, income and expenses where he can just work part-time permanently because he doesn't want to work full-time. You know, the big quit. He just wants to figure it out in a way where he can just work less than full-time. And it's like, we're all thinking this, but capitalism doesn't allow for us to really connect on it because we're all siloed and insulated into our in each individual cell and the prison itself is made up of capitalism and we're all in individual cells prison cells cell cells and um yeah it doesn't feel good so why am i so disintegrated I'm less disintegrated. I'm more integrated now. Sobriety helped. Sobriety, like being wasted all the time is a big sort of like you hide in the shadows and you, you do drugs and you like don't want to tell anyone and you don't want anyone to find out and you're hiding and you go far away and everything about you just try to keep everything about your life a secret because the more people know about anything, they might figure out the bad stuff. So you just, you're a bad person and you know that you're a bad person and you hide everything and you just develop all these separate personas and you just live this painful lie. And then sobriety, you can become, you can start just being like, this is the person I am. And I think I can try to be the same person always. I don't have to be like one person at, in the day and then at 1 a.m. when I'm wasted and the darkness is there, I'm like a completely different person. With sobriety, you can try to be one person a lot more. Sobriety helped and then age, just age helped. We're like, now I can just sort of, you know, I can just stand here and sweet. Having money helped. It's less shame. Just having enough, just feeling like I'm not afraid of some tiny little bad thing happening. That means that I have to pay an extra 300 bucks and I don't have 300 bucks. Like I just can stand here. I can be here in this moment. And if my aunt can't find her passport and her boarding pass, and you know, we'll find it later. We'll miss the flight and we'll buy a new ticket and we're all alive and it's all good. And, you know, but to this trip for the first time, I felt like it'd be nice to buy a tiny little thing and just be here for two months every summer. Like if I could have a job where I could get two months off, then 
I could be in this. It wouldn't matter that everyone in America is working throughout the entire summer and they would all vacation shame in me because I would fly away from that vacation shame and I would just be here. And then I could hang out with my mom and my sister and my sister's kids and, you know, maybe get my own little chitlins going. So I was on this dating app and this girl told me that she thought I was very cool and and then we're talking more and then she's talking about she wants someone to take her seriously and she wants like a real relationship and that's what I want too. And then it's like, it's just really hard for me to know. Okay. When I'm talking through it out loud here, the next word kind of, it's a little bit like as a human, you're a large language model and you kind of can autofill. You can sort of know what the next word is. The next word is, I need to just meet her. And I don't know, like the, the drunk feeling of being drunk on validation happens before meeting someone. Sometimes I don't even have to meet them. I just felt so, I, the, the entire like drunken feeling of validation runs its entire course and I get, I get bored of the validation I get from them before even meeting them is how quick the cycle can be sometimes. And, and that's all something I need to, when I see it, when I see that drunken feeling happen in myself, I need to just relax because it's a tension. It's a feeling of tension. It's a balled up fist like everything else. Put the bags down. The bags are filled with balled up fists. Just relax. This wave, this rush of like ecstasy, numbness, numbing the pain, thrilling feelings of ecstasy come over me and I need to just relax and, and not lean into that so much. And then after that, it's like, I need to just meet the person and I need to just feel, do I want to, like, it's really about shit like, it's really about, a relationship is mostly conversation. It's really like, is it really fun to have conversations with this person? And then that's what you should go for. Kind of everything else is secondary, you know? Just just sitting with this person feel like a fun podcast episode that I want to listen to for the rest of my life. Like, that's really the weird, weirdly enough, like, that's the main question of, like, am I enjoying the back and forth here? And, like, every multi-year relationship I've had that I really enjoyed, I was, like, impressed with them, and I wanted to hear what they had to say about the next thing. And that made it, like, a really good, enjoyable podcast episode. And then everything else of, like, money and sex and stuff, like... I think I can always figure that out with kind of anyone. Because I know how to do it. I know how to make money. And then, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Should I not have sex with, like, should I go on a few dates and decide if I feel like this has the potential to be a podcast episode that I want to be in for the rest of my life, the back and forth? And then if I don't feel that, should I not sleep with the person? That's probably the right answer. It's tough though. It's tough though, because yeah, I'm really interested in that sort of intersection of the brain, the brain and the other body parts. Anyway, maybe that's an episode. I mean, I feel I'm actually, I actually think I feel pretty good. 
Actually, I feel good that this this thing of the episode was actually stressing me out. Like, it's Sunday night right now. Like, I'm behind. I should have done this yesterday, and it never happened. And I tried many times in the last eight days to do an episode, and it failed. And and this is a, this episode is going to come out late, but but um, you're going to have to be okay with that. And no one has ever. <laughs> No one has ever criticized me for no one has ever criticized me for coming up with an episode late. It's like a fully internal it's a fully internal thing. I'm gonna get back in this fucking world's smallest Mazda. It's so funny because it's like very fast and very small and it uses almost no gasoline. And also what I realized not immediately, but after driving from Copenhagen to my mom's house, which is like 70 kilometers or something. I look at the odometer and I realize that the car only has 80 kilometers on it. It's a brand new car that they gave me that no one has ever driven. Like when it is delivered, it has 10 kilometers on the odometer because it's, um, you know, they have to test drive it, I think. I think they have to calibrate some shit and drive a little bit. And so I'm going to get back in this car that I'm getting quite dirty. I'm getting this rental car. They gave it me a brand new vehicle that I'm getting quite dirty and it has Danish plates and people keep honking at me because I'm used to driving a big vehicle so I don't know the shape of the vehicle very well so I'm I keep being driving in the middle of the road I think because everything is a there's a lot of dirt roads around here that's like a lot of dirt roads that are um yeah that don't have lines. <sighs> Everything is so neat and clean and civilized here. And and it and what's also another thing that's making it that's making me feel bad and that's making the whole finding someone to date very difficult is like it's very very hard for me to compare myself to my sister. People usually do that because they feel pressure from their parents, so they're happy when they're siblings are ahead of them so that it takes pressure off from their parents but I don't have any pressure from my parents I only have pressure from myself to get a perfect life going and my sister just in her early 20s first of all she's not some loser only had one boyfriend when she was a teenager she had all kinds of boyfriends she was like dating a black guy like an African guy for a while in a time in in the 90s when that was spicy and i remember my grandmother saying a bunch of racist shit about the fact that she had a black boyfriend and then she just in her early 20s just met this guy he's a great guy and they just like are very similar similar age everything and they just like work hard and chill hard and stay and stay together for a long time and they do shit where they like, they had this idea that let's just backpack around Australia for a year. So they, three, four years into their relationship, in their mid or late 20s or something, they just go to Australia for a year, buy a cheap car, just drive around and work at like banana plantations. And the car breaks down and there's snakes everywhere and this. It's like a year of adventure. You know, and it's not just that you get adventuring out of the way because it's fun to do adventuring before you do home life. It's also like, imagine how good that is for preparing you for starting a family together. 
I and I've talked about this in terms of my ex-wife too. Like I, I, my ex-wife and me, we we had this wonderful, rich relationship where like the conversation was incredible, and she was so pretty, and there was so many good things about it. She was so smart, and she had a PhD in this like incredibly nerdy Chinese art history stuff that I was so fascinated with, and she showed me so many beautiful Chinese art pieces, and she taught me so much about Chinese art, and there was so much beauty to it. And then we did that for like a few years. And then as soon as we moved to America and she was in grad school, life got a little bit hard and the relationship immediately deteriorated because it was a podcast episode that was good in the abstract. And as soon as reality happened and it was like, well, what are you like under stress? And what are both of you like under stress at the same time? And how are you going to interact with each other then? And the relationship quickly fell apart, you know? And I just, I'm so impressed with my sisters intuitively. I don't even, I think she probably didn't even plan any of it out, but it's like, just, she just intuited that it's probably good in a relationship if you're going to subconsciously just, she decided and understood that if you're going to start a family together, it's probably good to do weird, wacky, intense, stressful shit together, like being stuck in a fucking you know, typhoon in Australia in a weird old Jeep that breaks down and it's super stressful and you get in all these stressful, dirty situations where you have to like deal with each other's bodies when they're not clean and do all this stuff that family, that starting a family and having kids includes, you know? Like, I'm so impressed with her ability to, and then she spent like, they were together for like seven, eight, nine years or something before they decided to have kids. And then they have these kids now and the kids are so wonderful and they have such a great relationship and he's such a great guy and he's like a software engineer at a gaming company and I just, I'm so impressed with them. They're such beautiful, wonderful people and they've made so many good decisions and it's so hard for me to be 36 years old and be like, okay, should I take her blueprint and spend find someone and then spend eight years making sure that that's someone I want to start a family with. Like, I don't have that kind of time, you know? So it really makes me feel very bad about myself and it makes me feel like it's too late and like I can't do this and I will never have anything good. And, you know, it makes me feel all these bad things that aren't perfectly reasonable because really, you know, I just have to live my life. And I did a bunch of stuff, you know, I did a bunch of stuff and most of it I regret, but <laughs> you know, my aunt was actually talking today about my Swedish aunt, about how she, she became a trained nurse and then a specialized nurse. And then she became like management in the healthcare industry. And then she worked at a hospital and was like the boss of this big team. And, and now she's like, you know, in her, um, late 50s probably early 60s probably late 50s and she was saying how she's admitted out loud that it's like look if i had to live it all again i wouldn't have done anything like that the healthcare industry is like a very unhappy place to be in it's way too intense it's way too stressful it's not a good time and if she could do it all over again she wouldn't have gone anywhere close to that and like that's how i feel where i'm like there's pretty much no part of like like I had so many opportunities to I to just, you know, to do something that would have been a good foundation. Instead, I spent 15 years trying to write a novel. 
you know i spent 15 years trying to write a novel and the novel is really good and that doesn't matter <laughs> no one gives a shit that the novel is really good but you know the harmonious buddhist choice is to just unball your balled up fist you know unboil your boiled up fist just put your bags down just have an open hand in front of you and just relax and just realize that you're just on this path and we're all going to die and none of it matters in the end and you just have to make the best of it and none of it was easy and you know god my sister's kids are so fucking beautiful and cool though and they like you know they sort their garbage into so many different types and they have such a small climate uh foot carbon footprint and they just live this like incredibly philosophically aware life of beauty and like none of it can be you know my fucking american qanon aunt is here and she's just like making fun of all these windmills and stuff and she's just like thinks that it's a scam and it's just like but it's not though you know people are so fucking reasonable in sweden everything is so middle of the road just a thing of like how you my QAnon aunt is keeps telling everyone about the pandemic and the vaccines and how everything is just a scam how they they're just trying to control us and all the Swedes just have this like first of all they don't get riled up being confronted with a QAnon person they just get a little bit worried and they just know who they are they're not like me I don't know who I am so I get really worried when I talk to a QAnon conspiracy theorist all the Swedes they just they're just like really calm about who they are and they just have this like super middle of the road take where they acknowledged that the pandemic was real a lot of people died it was scary maybe some of it was overreaction looking back on it not that many people died and then they acknowledged that like it was good probably to keep the schools open like the schools people in kids in 6th grade and younger they stayed in school in person the whole time and 7th grade and up were using computers pretty fucking reasonable people in university do that like if there's a pandemic and you're in university do it on a computer but if you're in second grade you probably need to do in person schooling especially since we now know that like the kids weren't a big spreader they didn't get very sick all that stuff and then also as much as Swedes take the pandemic really seriously they're very aware and happy to admit that like my sister's oldest kid was born spring of 2020 right when the pandemic was hitting the kid was born and the kid's dad isn't even allowed inside of the hospital cuz the pandemic is fucking raging so she had to like be alone with the kid and it's like really scary you just give birth and you, the husband is not allowed to be there they weren't married at the time but the man is not allowed to be there and and um, it was just really scary and kind of a bad experience and then this kid grows up from infancy during the pandemic so when i came to visit when the kid was a year and a half the kid was terrified of me because the kid had met this little girl has met very few people and all these Swedes are just very happy to admit that like that's not good and in america everything is political and if you're a liberal you're not allowed to admit that there were anything bad about shutting down and all that stuff and if you're a republican you have to like obsessively describe how well the masks they make you fucking inhale your own carbon monoxide and they make you fucking uh, kids learn by looking at faces and the fucking Jews are trying to control us by making it so we can't see each other's faces so we become isolated from each other and they're just trying to destroy us and keep us apart from each other and 
and you know they're just trying to control us with these narratives and the pandemic is a scam and it's like look that's not it neither of those two things are it we should be allowed to acknowledge that it was like a really bad experience for the kids and that the kids okay never mind this episode is over now i most of what i said there at the end i should sort of fade it out because it was just like the last two minutes have just been me like angrily rambling in a way that you don't really want to listen to. So it'd be funny if I just faded it out into silence, but I'm not going to do that because it's too much, it's too much audio editing and I'm on vacation right now. But you know, here's the thing guys, I love you. Thank you for listening. And I especially thank you for your patience with, um, being okay with that. This episode is going to come out on a Sunday instead of on a Saturday. Thank you for listening. I love you.